Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast. Georgie here, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership, and we're returning to focus on our series of podcasts. I'm joined by Helen Morgan, a previous head of school, and Andy Bridge, current deputy principal. This is the 10th in the latest series of brand new podcasts aimed at early career teachers and their mentors. In our last podcast, we explored how to manage behaviour really well, and this podcast explores upholding professional standards. As teachers, we are expected to meet and maintain a series of professional standards, as well as recognise the importance of others within children's lives, for example, teaching assistants, career advisors and parents. So in this podcast, we're going to chat now about good practice in terms of fulfilling wider professional responsibilities. And I'm going to start by saying morning to Andy and Helen. Great to have you both here with us today. Um, Andy, what what do professional standards mean in the context of teaching? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, this is about, um, you know, we often say we make teaching complex and it's quite simple. Like you just need to plan lessons, deliver them and give the students some feedback. But actually, it's maybe a bit facetious to say that because there is um, a whole set, a whole aspects of our role that go beyond that. Um, so things like taking ownership of your own professional development um, building really effective working relationships with parents and colleagues and non-teaching staff in a whole host of different roles within schools um, taking responsibility for managing your workload, asking for help when you need it, being considerate of your own and others' well-being. Um, and for me, it, it kind of comes back to this professional standard thing, like the difference when we talk about ITT and ITE. Um, so ITT being initial teacher training and the, the more broader ITE as in initial teacher education. And, um, you know, teachers aren't robots and we're not just training them in very set specific bits of pedagogy for them to stand up and deliver like a robot like we're not making technicians we're making professionals and there's a whole set of professional responsibilities as well as um a good understanding of pedagogy so for me that's where the, the professional standard part comes in brilliant so sort of thinking about actually building effective working relationships as well you, you know is key isn't it it's not just about colleagues it's also about the wider network and the wider stakeholders isn't it Helen what what what's your experience on on that yeah it's I mean it's really interesting what you talked about there about building your wider network because I think getting to know um you know associate staff as an ECT is really important because it helps you to feel part of the whole school so getting to know you know the safeguarding staff teaching assistants careers advisors the catering and cleaning teams um, really helps you to settle in and actually helps you to understand that everybody has a really important part to play in making a school successful um you know and i think when you're in ect one of the, the key things to try and uphold is that that idea of you know like you said taking ownership 
of your own development. So you've got to be proactive and not wait for it to come to you. And that can mean things like, you know, making the most of your mentoring sessions, um, making the most of your early career um, teacher sessions and, you know, getting as much out of those and optimising them as best you can. Um, Andy, I don't know if you'd add anything to, to those two. I think it, just to build on what you were saying then about getting the most out of mentoring sessions, it's it's not just turning up and going through the motions and ticking off that you've had your mentor meeting and that's you done for another week. It's being like really deliberate about thinking what what does a good mentee do? How do I make the most of this opportunity? How do I take my mentor's expertise and use that to the best possible advantage that I can do and take, like you said before, that phrase, taking ownership of it? Yeah, I think I think building on that as well, you know, um, being professional um, as an ECT means in your mentoring sessions and in your practice, being open to challenge and critique um, and being a really reflective practitioner. It's tempting, isn't it, when you think, you know, think about maybe finishing um, your ITT course or your PGCE that you're the real deal. And I don't think, you know, 20 20 something years on I still think that I haven't cracked it and and that I'm not the real deal and I think being open to that feedback and seeing it as something that's designed to help you is really important and you know that that can be quite challenging um for ECTs you know some people don't want to lose face in a new job but it's really important to to stay humble Absolutely. And I think also it, it's about sort of, you know, at being able to be self-reflective. It's that that self sort of agency and self-awareness as well, isn't it? And and seeing any kind of feedback or or challenge or or is designed to really help and support you, isn't it? It's it's not there, you know, to to knock you down, it's there to really, really support you. So um it's 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 a key point i think actually is to be actually open and reflective um around that so andy i i know that sort of external networks can also be quite a challenge for early career teachers to navigate and and i'm thinking here more about sort of the social media and and aspects around that what would you share around those sort of thoughts yeah i think on social media um it's just very important to be ultra cautious about what you are putting online and you know almost having that mindset that your your professional status doesn't turn off at three o'clock like anything that you then post online or that you did post online 10 or 15 years ago even before you were a teacher um it's still out there and it can very much come back to haunt you so just being really aware like the benefits of social media like um on twitter and linkedin and the amount of resource sharing and um, expertise you can gain from it are phenomenal as long as you approach it in a really careful sensible way with um, due, due regard for your school safeguarding policy and your school might have its own social media policy um, and I mean one interesting change for uh, keeping children safe in education for September is um, that schools are now being recommended that we do social media searches on any candidates that we're employing um, whereas before that was a kind of all bit of a hypothetical what would it look like if an employer searched for you whereas we're now actually being advised that we should do that as part of a safer recruitment check so employers and external audiences are going to be looking and scrutinizing so just being so aware of how you come across online absolutely there are really 
yeah on, sorry, Georgie. no that 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 point around sort of making sure that you remain professional and that you are really um clear and that and that sort of just comes outside of the teaching um, association generally as well isn't it just being a little bit sensible before you post that um that picture from when you're on holiday and and uh yes and and you are a role model for your students as well so I, I think it's it's very important to consider that and something unfortunately nowadays that we we didn't have to be aware of all those years ago so um yeah and uh and getting to know you safeguarding teams and and sort of the other the support network internally as well isn't it it's about the who can help you who can you call upon and and look like you understand your sort of um your areas so people like the careers advisor teams and and sort of local forums and groups that can really help and support helen you were going to share some points there sorry yeah i'm just laughing when you're saying you know that was something that some of us didn't really have to navigate as an mm. ect um because it didn't exist but i think it is a real challenge navigating social media and i think there are some you know again really practical kind of tips and, and advice that you can give to ECTs you know one is about maybe not using um, your real name on there so you'll see lots of ECTs um, using maybe kind of their first name and their middle name as opposed to their surname so they're not easily identifiable but I also think you know kind of don't post anything on there that perhaps you wouldn't be prepared to say to someone as well um to their face I think that's a a good piece of advice and I always remember being a a young teacher um and my head of department saying to me you know just kind of um just remember um what would this look like if it was on the front page of the sun and that's a real ready reckoner about what you post on social media and some of those behaviours about how it might be misconstrued or, or taken out of context. So, you know, like Andy said, it, it it is something that's very real for ECTs now. And it's really important in terms of their, you know, their reputation and their career development. Yeah, I, I, I think that can't be underestimated at all. So, uh, yeah, really, really good to point out. So thinking about, so, you know, obviously professional standards and, and always being professional, because actually when you show up in the supermarket, you are going to see some of your pupils and um, and some of the parents that are in the community if you if you live and work in your area. Um, so think also how you reflect and how you appear in those in those circumstances is so important. So Andy, aspects of upholding professional standards and and obviously that involves wider responsibilities. What what do ECTs often find challenging in those aspects? I think for me, because we've all been to school as as students, like we've all spent the first sixteen or fourteen years of our life in some kind of education school environment people often feel when they're going to start teaching that they know what to expect because we're comfortable in schools because we've grown up in them um, but actually the reality is going in of going in as a ITT or as a staff member it can be quite overwhelming um, so I think for me the, the the main challenge that we often see is about workload and well-being and um, sustaining the workload avoiding burnout spinning so many plates at once so that that relationship with the mentor and 
prioritizing things and um, learning to work efficiently and learning what you can park and not do and what you can postpone or what's the most urgent thing, I would say is probably um, the the biggest challenge because often we'll get uh, ECTs who, to stay on top of everything, will try and stay up you know, super late at night and be working till midnight, but then you're exhausted the next day and then your classroom practice slips and it's like a, a kind of wheel that once you start, then you're almost trapped on it. So I think for me, that'd be the number one challenge, finding ways to, to keep it, to keep that workload manageable. Obviously, things take longer when you're new, when, you, when you're more experienced, you can plan lessons much quicker. Um, so just being aware of that and very conscious and deliberate about putting your own well-being first. Helen, you've seen lots of examples, I think, of um, early career teachers in particular that have, have struggled with their well-being, I think, at, at, at the start. And, and I'm sure that you've probably got some strategies that you, you, you can um, recommend here. Yeah, I think, you know, that it's a really serious issue, isn't it, teacher well-being? And I think particularly for early career teachers, often, um, you know, who might be away from home, um, as well and they might have moved to a new area and they don't have those support networks but I think one of the key things for me is to ask for help if you're struggling that's what you you know your mentor um, and your tutor are there to do they're there to help and support you I think the other thing kind of picking up on what Andy said earlier about you know when you knew it takes a bit longer to do things um, you shared resources where you can within your de department and within your team. Um, don't feel like you need to reinvent the wheel um, from scratch. And I think that can really help you to do it. And, and like Andy said, it's, it's tempting to stay up till two in the morning, um, planning or marking or, you know, doing assessments. But actually, um, your battery really runs down when you do that. And it's about, you know, looking at what is realistic within a school day um and then managing your time accordingly and if you're struggling to do that making sure that you do talk to your mentor about that because I think most of us um, have been there um, and struggled as an ECT um and actually if we'd asked for help we probably would have avoided you know some of those challenges or, or things would have been a little bit easier. Yeah 